Welcome to On Fire. This is the On Fire podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Allen. So a few months ago, my wards combined youth had an opportunity to go to the Weber State University Institute of Religion in Ogden, Utah for a midweek activity. I was super impressed with the Institute students who showed up voluntarily on a Wednesday evening to meet and talk with our youth uh, who are only a few years younger than they are and and share some spiritual insights with them. Um, the topic of uh, of the of discussion was Hear Him, uh, which also happens to be the title of, of the second podcast in this series. If you haven't uh, heard that, um, I would encourage you to do so. But the Institute students divided up the youth. Um, there were other wards there besides ours, and, um, and they had little workshops for them. And, and while they were doing that, one of the Institute instructors uh, gathered all of the adult leaders together uh, in the chapel to, to visit with and, and to teach us. Um, the, the focus of the discussion was on helping the youth recognize and identify the different ways the spirit communicates with them. The, the Institute instructor shared some, some great insights on the topic. He talked about how uh, some Institute students had come into the program and didn't think they had a testimony or didn't think they'd ever felt the spirit. Uh, he talked about some ways, uh, some of the ways that the spirit communicates. And at one point he referenced uh, Doctrine and Covenants section nine, verse eight, where, where the Lord is addressing Oliver Cowdery about uh, how, to, how to translate ancient records. And and that, that says this, DNC 9, verse 8. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. Now, the instructor asked us after that, if uh, asked all of us if, if we had ever experienced a burning in our bosom. And then without waiting for an answer, he kind of chuckled and, and said that uh, that he never had and, and, and sort of made fun of this description of feeling the spirit. Um, I was sitting next to our bishop who turned to me and uh, he either asked me or I asked him. I can't, I can't remember, but uh, one of us asked the other if, if we had ever felt a, a burning in, in our bosom. And, and, and I said, yes, frequently. That is definitely something that I've experienced. And, uh, and he said that he did as well. So we were a little puzzled by the, the instructor kind of, uh, kind of mocking that scripture, which was actual, the actual, which were the actual words of Jesus Christ through Joseph Smith. And I don't mean to disparage the instructor because he, he was wonderful otherwise. Um, but we only ended up with a few minutes to discuss a very rich topic there. And, and I've thought a lot about that since that time and, and wanted to continue that here. Um, I thought about a lengthy discussion that I had a few years ago with a marvelous brother who uh, was discouraged because he believed that he had never felt the spirit and, and so wasn't sure if he really had a testimony and he was very sincere and, and concerned about it. And uh, this discussion provided me with an opportunity to really think about the way the spirit of the Lord and the Holy ghost work. Remember there's a difference between the, the spirit of the Lord or the light of Christ and the Holy ghost. If you haven't listened to uh, to that episode number two, hear him. Um, please go back and listen to that one. I've also thought about the the evidences or fruits of the Spirit and how they manifest in our lives. Most of us have probably wondered at some point in our lives if we truly, if we have truly felt the Spirit. Um, I think for many of us, the Father and the Son 
are easier to imagine and, and relate to because we read about them in the scriptures and men and women have actually seen and conversed with them. Uh, and we recognize Heavenly Father as our Father, that Jesus Christ was uh, born in, into the same world that, that we're living in. He lived here. He interacted with mortals. The Holy Ghost, on the other hand, seems to kind of work in the background. Uh, it might be easy uh, to think of him or his influence as, as an it rather than as a member of the Godhead. Um, I think one day we'll understand just how involved the Holy Ghost has been in so many aspects of our mortal lives. Uh, the Holy Ghost's influence and power really is broad and it's varied. He helps us in, in many, many ways, uh, many that we don't recognize, especially those of us who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I love what Parley P. Pratt had to say about the gift of the Holy Ghost. He kind of gave us a vision of what the gift of the Holy Ghost could mean to us and, and do for us. So as, as you hear this, uh, think about experiences you've had and, and where these things apply to you. So again, this is Parley P. Pratt from uh, The Key to the Science of Theology. Um, and it goes as follows, quote, The gift of the Holy Ghost quickens all the intellectual faculties, increases, enlarges, expands, and purifies all the natural passions and affections, and adapts them by the gift of wisdom to their lawful use. It inspires, develops, cultivates, and matures all the fine-toned sympathies, joys, tastes, kindred feelings, and affections of our nature. It inspires virtue, kindness, goodness, tenderness, gentleness, and charity. It develops beauty of person, form, and features. It tends to health, vigor, animation, and social feeling. It invigorates all the faculties of the physical and intellectual man. It strengthens and gives tone to the nerves. In short, it is, as it were, marrow to the bone, joy to the heart, light to the eyes, music to the ears, and life to the whole being. Close quote. So according to Elder Pratt, the gift of the Holy Ghost essentially enhances every feeling, trait, ability, and, and, and basically everything in us that's good. Now the Holy Ghost is also a teacher. Um, through him we can receive downloads of knowledge and understanding. Uh, our, our intellects and our memories can be sharpened. The Savior told his disciples in, in John 14, 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Uh, the Apostle Paul described what he called the fruit of the Spirit. And this is important because it helps us identify the source of the good things we experience. Um, now, I have several peach and, and nectarine trees, uh, fruit trees in my backyard. Um, my wife and I look forward each summer to, to watching those trees bloom and then sprout leaves and then, and then grow fruit. Uh, if you weren't familiar with these specific trees and saw the early fruit appear on the branches, you might not know what type of fruit they, they would grow into or what, um, what species of tree you were looking at. But once the fruit matures, it becomes obvious that it's a peach or it's a nectarine. And when you've identified the fruit, you know what type of tree it's coming from. Peaches come from peach trees. Uh, so Paul teaches this. This is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, 
faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. So the Holy Ghost is, is the tree and the fruit of the tree are those things that he mentioned, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. It seems like the Lord spent significant effort to teach Oliver Cowdery how to feel and recognize the Spirit. Several sections of the Doctrine and Covenants are dedicated to this instruction. Uh, section 6, uh, starting in verse 22, the Lord says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if you desire a further witness, cast your mind upon the night that you cried unto me in your heart, that you might know concerning the truth of these things. Did I not speak peace to your mind concerning the matter? What greater witness can you have than from God? This type of, of spiritual communication can be subtle and quiet and easy to miss if we aren't um, spiritually sensitive. Uh, Oliver Cowdery asked the Lord for a witness of the truthfulness of the work he and the prophet Joseph were engaging in. And, and the way the Holy Ghost communicated an answer to him was to speak peace to his mind, to, to quiet his thoughts and, and to put Oliver at ease. Uh, there was no angel appearing. There was no heavenly manifestation. There was no overwhelming sense of, uh, of warmth or joy. Uh, Oliver's mind was simply put at peace. The Lord obviously feels that this is an adequate manifestation or, or witness because he then asks Oliver, what greater witness can you have than from God? Now, if we pray for answers to our questions and we expect something specific to happen as a witness from the Holy Ghost, we might be disappointed if we don't experience it the way we expected. Uh, we might overlook or misinterpret the answer. Uh, I mentioned earlier the Institute instructor downplaying the burning in the bosom uh, type of witness of the Spirit. Uh, in section 9, the Lord is, the, of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord's giving Oliver Cowdery specific instructions for him personally relating to his efforts to translate the Book of Mormon. Yeah, Oliver gave translating a try, but he wasn't, uh, he wasn't able to do it. Uh, the Lord explained to Oliver why his efforts didn't pan out. Again, this is section 9. Uh, we read verse 8 earlier, but this is 7 through 9. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no thought, save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I, shall cause, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall feel that it is right. But if it be not right, you shall have no such feelings, but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, save it shall, save it be given you from me. Now, I don't think we should interpret this scripture as a one-size-fits-all template to receiving revelation. This was for Oliver, and it pertained to translating or, or writing revelation. The Lord might choose to communicate revelation to us in this way, or it might not be the best way for us individually to receive it, so he might use another way. Um, I've heard young people say something like, uh, I prayed to know if I should if I should marry so-and-so, and, and I had a stupor of thought afterward, so I guess it's not right. Uh, I don't know about you, but I get stupors of thought all the time, and I'm not sure that the Spirit has anything to do with that. I think it's I think it's aging, and, uh, and, uh, and who knows, just a lack of um, mental agility, but... Um, 
the spirit might give you a stupor of thought in answer to a prayer. But if you go into it with the understanding that you will either receive a burning in your bosom or a stupor of thought, you will more than likely misunderstand the actual answer the spirit gives you. You aren't Oliver Cowdery trying to translate. So in the same month and on the same topic, the Lord said this to Oliver Cowdery. This is in section eight, verses two and three. Yea, behold, I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which shall come upon you and which shall dwell in your heart. Now behold, this is the spirit of revelation. Behold, this is the spirit by which Moses brought the children of Israel through the Red Sea on dry ground. So this, this counsel from the Lord about receiving revelation is, is really not as specific as the last one we read, but it's probably more instructive to you and me. Uh, rather than hearing an actual voice, either audibly uh, or in your head, which can happen, but, but isn't common, uh, it's probably more likely that the Spirit will impress you with thoughts about something or instructions to do something. Uh, you might recognize that the thoughts you have weren't previously there uh, or didn't originate with you. Um, the Spirit might also touch your heart, meaning that you feel emotion from your spiritual center, which the Lord refers to as your heart. Um, you might feel sudden warmth or, or joy, um, especially after... Uh, after repenting and being forgiven that you you would feel joy um, you might experience a, a tightening in your throat and, and tears as you feel the spirit um, the spirit telling me something in my heart often manifests this way um, it's funny my eight-year-old daughter likes to check my eyes for for tears during a, a general conference talk or during a sacrament meeting talk um, she doesn't understand uh, quite why um, or what makes me cry versus what makes her cry and, uh, and she thinks I'm, I'm being a baby, but it's funny because she can often sense when the things that might make me cry uh, happen or when she hears those things. And that's when, when she checks my eyes. But not, not all emotion is evidence of, of spiritual communication, though. I, I can't believe I'm, I'm about to share this. I don't know why, but because uh, it, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. My wife and kids tease me about it relentlessly, but, but I'll tell you anyway, just for fun. Um, this is just one example, but there's, uh, there's a scene in the, the Pixar movie cars that I found kept, uh, choking me up. Um, of course I've seen cars a hundred times, uh, with having four kids. And, and so, uh, so I can recognize a pattern in this, but toward the end of the movie, uh, the race car lightning McQueen is, is in a race and his pit crew consists of, of a little Italian forklift who works at Casa Della Tires in, in Radiator Springs. His name's Guido. And the crew members in the pit next to him have been laughing at him and making fun of him because he's small and he's a foreigner. Uh, so when, when Lightning McQueen blows a tire and rolls into the pit, Guido changes his tires so fast that it makes the neighboring pit crew members' jaws drop. And I find myself, I find myself being so proud of little Guido that I get choked up. <laughs> anyway... I don't know why I mentioned that other than to say that, that me getting emotional because uh, of an animated fictional character showing up some other animated fictional characters uh, is probably not because I'm feeling the spirit. Uh, it, it's just because I'm a sucker for underdogs. But uh, anyway, but sometimes the spirit might manifest in, in producing emotion. So um, I thought about my, my first experience with uh, with selecting church members for callings 
uh, and that came on on my mission um and it involves receiving revelation for for calling so um while i was serving as an assistant to my mission president my companion and i had the opportunity to pick up the newly arriving missionaries from the airport and bring them to the mission home uh, but before doing that we would pray with the mission president that we would know uh, where to send them and with whom they should serve who their trainer should be so my companion and i would interview them and then the mission president would interview them uh, then we would have dinner and, and, and meet together for some instruction and, and testimony from uh, the mission president, and then we'd send them to bed. And then afterwards, my companion and I would meet with the mission president in council to uh, discuss which of the training missionaries that the president had already selected should be paired with which new missionary. Um, we would, would make notes of our thoughts and impressions throughout the day that we'd spent time with, with these new missionaries and then compare notes during our meeting. Um, we looked at, or we, we had a large whiteboard that was up on the wall of the mission president's office. It had pictures uh, of all the trainers on it. And then across from them were pictures of the new missionaries and they had little magnets on them so we could move them around. Um, and, uh, and so we're trying to, to pair these missionaries up and the mission president would ask, uh, who do you feel should serve with elder or sister so-and-so? And with very few exceptions, my senior companion and the mission president would have the same answers. Uh, so uh, who should serve with Elder Brown? And uh, I would say, I think Elder Green would, would be great. And and my senior companion would look at his notes and say, uh, I have him with Elder Black. The mission president would, would look at his notes and, and say, I have him with Elder Black as well. Uh, we'd, and we'd go on to the next missionary and the process would repeat and they would generally have the same matches and I would have something else. And I remember feeling a little bit bad that the president never took my counselor that we, that we rarely had matching pairs. Um, and after a few months, my companion finished his mission and went home and I became the senior companion to a new assistant. And, and then when new missionaries came in, we met together to match them to their trainers. And this time my impressions matched the mission presidents almost exactly and my companion had other ideas. And this continued until I finished my mission. I found that fascinating. And I don't think there was anything wrong with me as a junior companion. I don't think there was anything wrong with my junior companion. That just seemed to be how uh, the spirit of revelation worked in that scenario. Uh, but I thought a lot about that since then and, and, and just thought that was a, a fascinating thing. Um, as a counselor in a bishopric and then uh, as the bishop, I've sat in numerous meetings to, to discuss the callings of ward members. I think a lot of members who haven't had this opportunity wonder how it happens. Um, there are probably a lot, uh, uh, there are probably probably people who believe in, in one of two extremes, uh, that the bishopric simply calls whomever they think will serve best in a specific calling, or that the audible voice of the Lord is, is heard from the heavens, uh, declaring who the, the primary music leader should be. The reality is somewhere in between and is likely a little different from, from bishopric to bishopric. But I have sweet memories of counseling together as a bishopric and, and watching the spirit of revelation at work. Uh, someone would have a thought or an impression about an individual uh, for a calling. Um, we would discuss it and then wait for the spirit to confirm that it was correct by speaking peace to our minds and hearts. 
or we would feel unsettled about it and, and continue the process by considering others until the spirit confirmed uh, that, that we had it right. That might sound overwhelming or that might sound underwhelming to some, but, but to me it was, it was miraculous. Uh, and the Lord was, was definitely in it. Um, after experiencing this almost weekly for eight straight years, I can testify that the savior is able to lead his people in every single unit of the church throughout the world, as long as the bishopric or branch presidency uh, seeks and receives the subtle uh, but powerful whisperings of the Holy Ghost. Now, regarding that, uh, that sweet brother who, who wasn't sure if he had ever felt the spirit that I mentioned at the beginning of, the, of this podcast, um, I asked him about his life experiences and about his understanding of, um, of how the spirit is, is manifested. Um, he struggled to relate to the experiences of others, uh, you know, that maybe they had shared in a testimony meeting or somewhere else, um, especially the more, the more grand or, or miraculous spiritual manifestations. Um, he couldn't think of his bosom burning at any point, uh, or being filled with light or having his eyes well up with tears overhearing truth taught or, or any other, uh, more obvious, um, sign that the spirit was, was speaking to him. Um, but having known this man for many years, I knew that he had experience with the Holy Ghost because it was evident in his, in his life. Um, in a, a previous podcast titled New Creatures in Christ, uh, we discussed at length uh, the, the uh, becoming converted to Jesus Christ and, and having our hearts and natures changed by Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost. The, the evidence that I saw in this man that the Holy Ghost had been at work in his life was in his character. He, he believes that God is our Father in heaven and that his son Jesus Christ is our Savior. He loves to serve others. Uh, he's kind and compassionate and loves his neighbors. Uh, he loves his wife and, and his children. He regularly prays and, and reads the scriptures. Um, he does his best to keep his covenants. And these aren't traits of a natural man. These are traits of a changed man. So my, my diagnosis of this brother's issue was twofold. First, he had an incomplete understanding about how the Holy Ghost manifests himself and how revelation is, is received. He was only considering specific ways that the Spirit had communicated with other people and, and not considering the fruits of the Spirit in his own life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. And secondly, he was exhibiting unbelief. Now, unbelief is not necessarily an overall lack of belief, Someone can believe in the in the stories in the scriptures of God speaking to people and appearing to people uh, or healing people, but not believe that these things can happen in their own life. Unbelief isn't necessarily failing to believe in Jesus Christ, but failing to believe Jesus Christ. Our Savior's promises and, and atoning power are for all people. And sometimes we might feel undeserving or or unworthy of our savior's love, but that is a false belief. And, and it's actually unbelief. Having faith in Jesus Christ includes not just belief in his existence, but belief in his power to forgive and to cleanse, to heal and to save, not just others, but you. Faith is, is personal. Um, 
there there are circumstances in which we may not be able to feel the spirit to or or receive a revelation um there are some things that block the signal or distance us from from the source uh, when we're guilty of sin and and we don't repent our ability to feel the spirit is diminished um, when we exhibit unbelief we can block spiritual communication when we harbor false beliefs or or believe in false doctrine or false traditions we might not be able to feel the spirit uh, when our lives are are filled with clutter and noise we might not be able to hear or feel the spirit if we listen to loud or angry or vulgar music or watch violent dark or pornographic videos shows or movies we block out the spirit with those things on the other hand being able to regularly feel and 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 be influenced by the holy ghost can be an indicator of our spiritual progress it can also help us know um, when we've repented that that we're clean and have been forgiven uh, elder tadar callister shared the following quote when i served as mission president missionaries often asked these two questions one how do i know when i'm forgiven of my sins and two if i'm forgiven why do i still why do i still feel guilt when asked those questions i usually responded by saying if you feel the spirit when you pray read the scriptures teach testify or at any other time then that is your witness that you have been forgiven or alternatively that the cleansing process is taking place for the spirit cannot dwell in unholy tabernacles in most cases the cleansing process takes time because our change of heart takes time but in the interim we can proceed with the confidence that the, that god approves of our progress as manifested by the presence of his spirit close quote now after jesus appeared to and ministered to the nephites and lamanites following his resurrection uh, as recorded in the book of mormon uh, he called 12 disciples and gave them instructions uh, this is third nephi 19 uh, verses 8 and 9 and when they had ministered those same words which jesus had spoken nothing varying from the words which jesus had spoken behold they knelt again and prayed to the father in the name of jesus and they did pray for that which they most desired and they desired that the holy ghost should be given unto them i've always found that to be to be interesting after seeing and touching the resurrected lord and and even anticipating jesus coming again that day to continue teaching them uh, the thing that they prayed for and most desired was to receive the gift of the holy ghost uh, it's it's insightful and instructive for us that they would desire and and pray for that and their prayer was soon answered so we go down to this is again 30 Nephi 19 down to verse 13 and it came to pass when they were all baptized and had come up uh, come up out of the water the holy ghost did fall upon them and they were filled with the holy ghost and with fire and behold they were on, they were encircled about as if it were by fire and it came down from heaven and the multitude did witness it and did bear record and angels did come down out of heaven and did minister unto them and it came to pass that while the angels were ministering unto the disciples behold jesus came and stood in the midst of them and stood in the midst and ministered unto them uh now it's it's obvious to me and um and and it's obvious to me that that i and possibly many of you listening are living well beneath our privileges when it comes to utilizing the gift of the holy ghost uh, are we able to know god's will for us in our and for our lives uh, are we able to make 
personal and family decisions based on the light we receive from the Holy Ghost? Can we receive answers to our prayers and be taught the gospel in depth and detail? Um, have, have we obtained and are we able to, to bless others through the gifts of the Spirit? Have we experienced what the Nephite disciples did, a baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost and the ministering of angels? Those are questions we can ask ourselves and, and think about and, and, and see how we can clear a path uh, for those things to occur in our lives. Uh, because we're entitled to them uh, if we are if we are obedient and, and qualify and exhibit our faith in this in our Savior. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, um, how blessed we are to have these sacred opportunities in this life. I invite each of us to to seek to have the Holy Ghost and His influence more abundantly and more frequently in our lives by praying for it and and living worthy of it, repenting daily. And eliminating from our lives the things that block the Spirit. I am a witness that God our Father and His divine Son communicate with and bless mankind through the Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm also a witness that Jesus Christ lives, that He forgives and saves, and I leave this with you in His holy name, even Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.